What's going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. And I must say, it's the most wonderful time of the year. With upsets and mayhem and lots of basketball to be played. It's March Madness, the most wonderful time of the year. That's right, everybody. It is officially March, and it is almost time for the best sporting tournament of the year, of the calendar year in March Madness. I am so excited for it. It's going to be an amazing tournament this year. You know, I was so excited for it last year, and we got robbed of it due to coronavirus. It was heartbroken. And last year was the first year where I really, really got super into college basketball as a whole. So I felt like I was pretty knowledgeable entering the bracket last year. Obviously, I've watched a lot this year. I brought you guys a ton of coverage, and I'm ready for it. It's March, baby. It is. We, we sleep in May. I cannot wait for the tournament this year. Oh, baby. Uh, honestly, though, this Sunday was the best post-football Sunday since the Super Bowl's ended. We had lots of big college basketball games. The Knicks had the Knicks are above 500 after yesterday, and we had a great game between the Bucks and the Clippers. Uh, we had some Champions League soccer, including Manchester United, Chelsea. So overall, a very very busy Sunday. So let's get into it. Let's start. Let's lead off by talking about the slumping Ohio State Buckeyes, who have now lost their third straight game. Uh, this was definitely their worst loss of the season. The only time they led this game was when it was 2-0, and from there, it was all Iowa. We've now lost three games in a row, and there, there, there's definitely a lot of cause for concern. Uh, I, I didn't feel too confident coming to this game, uh, even whether Kyle Young were the player or not. I knew that we were not going to sweep Iowa, that Luka Garza was going to be angry and hungry to perform against us after the way we shut him down last game. And sure enough, he did. You know, the last minute, we held him to, we held him to just 16 points. But this game, he, he just had his way with us. Whether he was dominating inside, whether he was hitting the three, Luca Garza was doing everything, showing why he's most likely going to win the national player of the year. Uh, and he was a force inside. I honestly was in the camp of saying, let Luca Garza get his points, let him do whatever he wants inside, and try to let the other guys beat us. Well, I was... Definitely wrong about that because outside of Wieskamp, you know, no one else beat us except for Luca Garza, who just really, really toyed with us. And, you know, it actually looked like we were going to make it a game down, you know, we're down 14 at the half, could have been down 11. Dwayne Washington Jr. hits an unbelievable shot from half court, but it was well after the buzzer while he was chasing an offensive rebound. So awesome shot from Dwayne. But, yeah. You know, they, they, go, they start the second half off on a 12 to nothing run, make it a two-point game. It looks like, okay, we're back in this. We're going to fight until the final buzzer. And that was really about it. From there, Iowa just really took control of the game from there, started hitting their shots again, and we started missing our shots. I mean, we hit one field goal over the last 10 minutes of the game against Iowa, who was 
one of the worst defensive teams in the country. So being held at 57 points from them, yeah, that's pretty bad. And you could, you could argue this was the worst offensive game of the season, not just the fact that we were held to 57 points, but the fact that it was this crappy defense holding us to 57. Uh, we shot 45% from the field, so not horrible. They've de I believe they've shot worse than 45% in a couple games this year. But we were just 5 of 17 from three, including one three from Justin Arns, who has been nearly non-existent the last three games for the Ohio State Buckeyes. His, you know, him fading into the darkness has been a huge, huge reason why Ohio State has lost three straight games. You know, he, he doesn't do much, Arns. All he does is bring the three game to Ohio State. And if he's not bringing his three-point if, he, if he's not bringing his three-point game, what is he contributing to this team besides uh, getting blocked on a fast break or losing the ball on a fast break? Uh, Dwayne Washington, he was just 3 of 10 from the field. Kyle Young was not very good offensively and defensively, so a lot went wrong for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I've been, I've been very confident in this team all season long, but my God, this was a very worrisome loss. Uh, Ohio State's de 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 defensive efficiency is now 224th in the country. That is not good. That is not a recipe for winning a national championship. Uh, I mean, look, I was all drinking the Ohio State juice, thinking that we're going to be a Final Four team, that we're going to contend for a championship. And now I'm not so sure. While we were winning, I think I was just blindly following the winning streak. But, you know, over the last three games, I've truly seen Ohio State get exposed for their weaknesses. And I wasn't blind to their weaknesses, which were defense and rebounding, but it's really killed them in their last three games. And... You know, it's very well possible that a team could easily just out-rebound. Or if they play a team like Houston, they can give Ohio State a ton of trouble because they play great defense and they could expose the Ohio State offense. So, yeah, right now I'm not really sure what to make of the Buckeyes and their title chances after this three-game slide. And now, this doesn't mean I'm giving up on the team. Uh, I mean, they were, they were number four in the country for a reason. They have a ton of quad one wins, so they're not a bad team. They were, they were not overrated. They're just... They hit a slump like a lot of teams have hit their slump. We saw it with Iowa. We saw it with Kansas. Uh, we saw it with Texas Tech. Texas. So a lot of teams tend to hit these slumps, and Ohio State is hitting theirs. Unfortunately, it comes at the wrong time. Uh, and look, the, the, I'm not giving up on the team. And the, a number one seed is still possible. It starts off with beating Illinois on Sunday and then making a run in the Big Ten tournament. But uh, speaking of that Big Ten tournament, the worst part about this loss to Iowa is it's going to be very hard for Ohio City to get a double buy now in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Michigan and Illinois have secured double buys in the tournament. And uh, now we trail both Iowa and Purdue. And with Purdue having swept us, they, they hold the tiebreaker advantage over us for what would be the three or the four spot in the tournament. Uh, Iowa is now one game ahead of us, and they play Wisconsin at home, and they blew them out at the Cole, at the Cole Center. And they have Nebraska. So it looks like Iowa's going to finish ahead of us. And Purdue has Wisconsin and Indiana both at home. You know, We know Mackey Arena is one of the toughest places to play in the country. So uh, it's looking like we're going to end up being a five seed in the, in the bracket and not having that double bye, which really, really could end up hurting this team because you want to have that double bye and have as much rest as possible during the Big Ten tournament. But our run is going to be needed for the Ohio State Buckeyes to – get that number one seed. And if they lose to Illinois, they can forget about the, the one seed unless they win the Big Ten tournament. Uh, moving on, we're going to stay in the Big Ten. 
Michigan State versus Maryland. Uh, Maryland got a big win dominating the Spartans, shooting the lights out, and they were in control of this game from start to finish. Uh, Michigan State, they shot just 28.6% from three, while Maryland shot 50%. And, yeah, that's, that's not a recipe for victory when you shoot under 30 and you let your opponent hit half their threes. Uh, this is a game that really should get Maryland now into the big dance because they sit at 15-10 and 10 with Northwestern and Penn State both coming up, which should easily be victories, which would put the Turpins at 17-10 and 10 and, and a, comfortably having an at-large bid even if they were to lose in the first round of the tournament. For Michigan State, this definitely hurts their chances. For now, They some people, I, I know Jerry Palm had them in, while Joe Lenardi had Michigan State as his first four out following their two victories. This definitely probably puts Michigan State back on the bubble and in that last four in, first four out category. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be telling to see what they do over their last three games. Uh, uh, they should be Indiana at home, considering the way they dominated them at Bloomington, but that's not a given. And I think, honestly, the only way this team is going to get an at-large bid is if they go 2-1, and one, splitting that series with Michigan. Uh, if they beat Indiana and get swept by the Wolverines, I'm really not sure if the Spartans are going to get in barring a run in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, the last uh, big college basketball game from Sunday was Villanova-Butler. And, oh, boy, Villanova, they looked horrible. They shot 36.9% for the entire game compared to Butler shooting 50%. Yeah, it's not a recipe for victory. Oh, and from three-point range, two of 27. That's right, two of 27. I cannot tell you the last time I've seen a team, NBA or college, Shoot that poorly. I mean, wow. How do you, I mean, if, if it's not falling, why do you take 27 threes if two of them are falling? And this is a really bad loss for Villanova. They had a chance to get up to a number one seed with a bunch of teams ahead of them falling earlier in the week. But this is a bad loss. It, almost, it, it eliminates any chance they have of being on the one line. Uh, it's going to be very hard for them to get back on that two line. I mean, it's still possible if they win the Big East Championship and teams ahead of them continue to fall. But... This loss is probably sending Villanova more towards the three or four line, and it's a, it's a really bad loss to a bad, bad Butler team. And you know, I left Villanova out of my top ten last week, which appeared, which seemed to be very controversial, and this is why they play in the shitty Big East and they lose that shitty team. They're frauds. They have two guys. They're not a good team, Villanova. That's really the notable action from Sunday. Uh, I want to move on to Saturday's action. Auburn beat Tennessee without Sharif Cooper in Knoxville. I mean, I, mean, I know I sound like a broken record on, at this point, but Tennessee are frauds. I don't get why Bracketology consistently has them at a, as a four or five seed, but look, put them at a four or five seed, actually. I'm fine with that. Let me. I love picking the 12-5 games. You put Tennessee as a five seed, give me that 12 seed all day long. Uh, Michigan versus Indiana. So I picked Indiana to win this game. I thought they'd be very desperate for a victory, and they'd come out you know, needing this win, uh, knowing that beating Michigan would not just be a big win for them, keeping them above 500, but it would also be a huge boost for their resume, beating the number two team, in the, who's now the number two team in the country. Uh, Wagner, he was fantastic for Michigan. And uh, it looked like, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis had his worst game of the year. He was held at just 10 points, and look, uh, if he's not going, Indiana has a negative percent chance of winning if they can't get TJD going. 
Uh, the NIT is now going to be 16 teams. They just announced. Indiana, looks like we'll be seeing you in the NIT. Uh, Texas Tech completes the sweep of Texas. This was supposed to be one of the bigger games of the college basketball slate. Wasn't really competitive. Texas Tech had five guys in double figures, and they sweep the Longhorns, who are continuing to really not play well since going on their COVID pause. Uh, Arkansas LSU. Uh, looked like there was going to be a competitive game. LSU led by five at the break, and then the second half was just all Arkansas. They outscore LSU 51-38. to Four guys on this team had 15 points. This team is a very deep team. I'm a big fan of the must bus, and I'm usually, I, I shit on SEC basketball. I think the SEC is vastly overrated. That's why I've been shitting on Tennessee, Missouri all year. But this Arkansas team, they're just good. They are really, really good. Uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, no, no Io DeSumo, no problem for the Fighting Illini as they go in the Madison and dominate the Badgers from start to finish, except that weird stretch where it was just Illinois shooting free throws and Demetrius Trice just popping off. Waste of a 29-point gem from him for the Badgers. You, know, you had Kofi Cockburn, he was just a beast inside. And Curbelo, he stepped up off the bench, dropping 17 points. Helping Illinois find that second score with the absence of Dosunmu. Uh, and just oh, and, and for Wisconsin, another trend. Brad Davison hits just one of his shots. This dude stinks. I mean, I don't know. I mean, oh God, I hope Wisconsin better not want him coming back for like a sixth year because this Brad Davison, he is awful. Just awful. Multiple games where he had one to zero one shots. On like six, seven, eight attempts. Don't know what the hell happened to him this season. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Cade, Cade, Cade. Cade Cunningham is that dude. 40 points, 11 rebounds. He balled out against Oklahoma. Now, I actually missed this game. I missed a decent amount of Saturday slate. I was out celebrating a friend's birthday, and there wasn't, you know, there wasn't only one TV at the bar, so I was only able to watch one game. And just watching the highlights, though, Cade hit shot after shot after shot. And then, I mean, 40 and 11, I can't, I don't even know who the last freshman to do that is. It's truly incredible. You know, there, there's been some talk about potentially Suggs being the first overall pick. Uh, the G League guys, some of the guys in the G League being that first overall pick. After seeing what he did against Oklahoma, in my opinion, there's no doubt Cade Cunningham is the first overall pick. He is that dude, and I cannot wait to see this guy in the NBA. And my listeners know, this is a pro-Cade Cunningham podcast. We stand Cade Cunningham here on the Bird's Eye View. Uh, some other notable results from Saturday. Vanderbilt beat Ole Miss, which seems to really put Ole Miss's tight up. Not title hopes, tournament hopes in the garbage. They've had some significant wins, the Rebels have, but losses as of late to Vanderbilt and Mississippi State have all but ended their chances of making it to March. Also in the SEC, Kentucky, they were trying to get a season sweep of the Gators, but they dropped a tough one at Rupp Arena. Gators continue to pad their resume and look like they'll be good for an at-large bid in March. A little mid-major action, Belmont, they were looking like one of the more popular mid-major picks to make a run. They have one of the country's most efficient offenses, but they drop a second straight game, losing to Moorhead State in overtime. Uh, you know, every time Villanova loses, it seems like Creighton loses too. And Creighton, they lost a 
at Xavier. Xavier kind of dominating this game from start to finish. And it was a big win for the Musketeers, who have been struggling prior to this game, coming off their long COVID pause. But this is a huge win for them that more likely than not, more likely than not puts them in the tournament. And yeah, you know, I was a big Musketeers guy early on in the season. Haven't really been touching them since uh, their COVID pause. But yeah, I like the Musketeers. Uh, Florida State versus UNC, a huge win for the Tar Heels. They were down by as many as 16 points, and they rallied in the second half to beat the Seminoles, securing a huge win for their tournament chances, by far their best win of the season, coming off that really, really tough loss to, uh, <clears throat> coming off that really tough loss to Marquette at home. They really needed this game. Had they lost this game, they'd be on the outside looking in, and now they're, for now, on the inside. And, you know, at, at the very worst, appear to be a last four-in team. So, big win for the Tar Heels. Walk, freshman Walker Kessler had a career-high 20 points off the bench. But, oh, man, this was a really sloppy game to watch. Both teams shot just 38% from the field. Uh, they, were, they both shot under 30% from three. 38 combined turnovers. Now, look, this was a far-from-perfect win for the Tar Heels. But it's a massive win for their resume, and it puts some... Comfortably in the field of 68 for now. One blue blood that couldn't get a victory are the Duke Blue Devils, who suffer a major setback in their tournament hopes, losing at home to Louisville. And this was an awesome game. You know, Duke has just 26 points in the first half, their lowest of the season. Before in the second half, they, they start to play a lot better. And first half, they were left for dead. Looks like Duke's going to get blown out of the water Come back in the second half, and it appears that they're going to steal a game from Louisville. However, Carly Jones was not going to let the Cardinals go down. Hit some big shots to tie the game and send it to overtime, and was fantastic in overtime for the Louisville Cardinals, which handed Duke another loss. Duke is now sitting at 13-9, and and again, they have no business sniffing the tournament. Even if, uh, excuse me, they're sitting at 11-9 and right now. Even if they win their next two games, they'll be 13-9. and in my, in my opinion, even at 13-9, Duke has no business sniffing the tournament unless they were to make a run within the ACC tournament. And I, I, don't, think, I don't think they're going to go 2-1. I think they're going to lose at Georgia Tech tomorrow, and I think that they're going to – I think they'll beat UNC over the weekend. But look, this Duke team is not a tournament team. I'm sick of people you know, buying back into them. They're not good. They lost to Miami. They lost at home to Notre Dame, two of the worst teams in the ACC. Why are people actually talking about this team – Potentially making it in March. They have zero business being in the tournament. Uh, last two games, Minnesota, see ya. Have fun in the, have, you can have fun in the NIT also. Uh, they go winless on the road, losing at Nebraska. A horrible loss for the Golden Gophers. And look, now they've lost to Northwestern and Nebraska back-to-back. What a joke of a team. How is this team ranked to begin with? How does this? How is Minnesota the only team to beat Michigan? I mean, they, they, how do you lose to Northwestern and Nebraska, but you're somehow able to beat the Wolverines? It makes no sense to me. And how the hell do we lose to this godforsaken Minnesota team? And they, they didn't just beat Ohio State and Michigan, but Minnesota kicked their, both their asses. You know, people said the barn's a tough place to play. Well, it wasn't tough for Northwestern, just Minnesota, they stink. I don't know how the hell this team started off so hot. They're terrible. They are just terrible. And the last game of the weekend was one of the more exciting results, and a result that I predicted on my la on the last episode, was Baylor losing to Kansas. Look, 
It's at Allen Fieldhouse. When do you ever get Kansas as an underdog in Allen Fieldhouse? If you have to take Kansas within the points there. Plus, Baylor has, Baylor has just one win in Allen Fieldhouse, and that came last season. So historically, they have not been great there. And it was senior night. Kansas had won 37 straight games on senior night uh, at, at Allen, at the Fog. Uh, may, they made it 38. It's very hard to pick against Kansas at home. It just it felt like that this was their game to win. Baylor's a great team, but it felt like Baylor was due for a loss upcoming, whether it's Kansas or West Virginia, because they were on that COVID pause. And the Jayhawks are hot entering March. I mean, Kansas was six and one. They were being written off by a lot of people. They're six and one since then. You know, McCormick and Garrett were fantastic against Baylor, while they really shut down Jared Butler, which was huge for them. They're entering March. They're entering March on the right on red hot right now. This is gonna be a team that nobody's gonna want to face in the tournament. And the Jayhawks, yeah, they don't have that one guy, but instead, their five guys are playing collectively as a unit, which has made them very dangerous. And for Baylor, in my opinion, this isn't too tough of a loss for them. Uh, it's a loss that actually humbles them coming into the tournament, so there's less pressure to complete an undefeated season. You know, they lose a game, their second game coming off a lengthy COVID pause, and it's at a place where they have historically struggled. So I'm not going to, you know, fault Baylor or even drop Baylor down for losing this game because they're still a fantastic team, and they're still going to be one of the favorites to win it all come March. Uh, that's about it for the games of the weekend. So I'm going to quickly go through, preview some of the best games of the week. I'm recording this Monday night, so well, hopefully my picks end up being right uh, tomorrow morning. Cuse uh, plays UNC. Uh, I'm picking Cuse in this game. UNC gets a big, big win over Florida State. So naturally, it's the way college basketball works is that they're due for a letdown. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I said in the last episode that these two teams were going to split the meetings. It's very hard to beat an opponent back-to-back, especially when you're very similar and have equal talent as Oklahoma and Oklahoma State do. So give me the Sooners in this game. Uh, we have some exciting action on Tuesday. We have Baylor versus West Virginia, which is going to be a fantastic game. Uh, West Virginia will give them a push for certain, but I do like the Baylor Bears to win this game and bounce back from their loss against Kansas. Uh... We have, we have Purdue versus Wisconsin. I think Purdue's going to win that game at Mackey Arena. I think that their style of play is very fast, and it's going to hurt Wisconsin. Plus, uh, I think Trayvon Williams will just have his way inside, and I don't know how Wisconsin's guards are just going to be able to even score in the paint on Trayvon Williams. Uh, we have Michigan-Illinois, which is going to be another fantastic game. Three versus, or two versus four in the country now. I'm excited. I'm really excited for this game. This is going to be fun. Yeah, you, you wish Dosumu was playing. It would be great to see Illinois at full strength. Uh, and honestly, if they were at full strength, I might actually pick them to win this game. But the, the absence of Dosumu will definitely be felt. So I'm going to pick the Wolverines. And we have Duke versus Georgia Tech. Duke and Georgia Tech both on the bubble. Uh, the, whoever wins here is going to really improve their chances of making the tournament. I said it earlier, I'm taking Georgia Tech in this game. They're hot. They've been fantastic at home. And Duke, see ya. Wednesday, Syracuse plays their second game in three days against Clemson. I think that they're going to do what they do, what they always do, where they make a late push in March and somehow get their name on the bubble, so I like them to beat Clemson. Missouri plays the Gators. I think Missouri's frauds. They're struggling right now. Give me the Gators in that game. Virginia Tech plays Louisville. 
they play, you know, Virginia Tech has not beaten Louisville on 20-something straight meetings, I think it is. They almost won earlier in the year, and I think they're going to end up pulling the, getting the victory this game. Uh, we have Villanova versus Creighton, the top two teams in the Big East. Both of them trying to bounce back from their tough losses. You know, Creighton shot the lights out, blowing out Villanova in their last meeting. I think Villanova does get revenge and wins this meeting. They tend to split, so give me Nova. And Thursday, we have Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Let's pray to God we finally get to see Cade Cunningham versus Baylor, something I've been waiting all year to see. We got robbed of it in the first meeting. Uh, I think Baylor wins that game. And we have Oklahoma Texas, a rematch of one of the more thrilling regular season games from the Big 12. I mean, they're all, they're all thrilling games in the Big 12 at this point. Uh, I like Boomer Sooner to complete the sweep of the Longhorns in this game. And that's really it for the best games of the week. Uh, there's going to be plenty of exciting basketball coming on the weekend. A lot of mid-major conference tournaments to look at for the weekend. So I'll be focusing more on that on Thursday's show. But I want to give my top ten. Number one. Gonzaga, they're, st they're still undefeated. They have wins over Kansas, UVA, West Virginia, Iowa. They're just great, Gonzaga. They're gonna be, they're gonna be making a run in the tournament. Uh, number two was a tough call. I'm keeping Baylor at number two just because of the overall success of this team. They've dominated nearly any opponent they've played. Uh, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, uh, Masio T, one of the best big threes in the country. So because there was a COVID pause and it's like a weird loss in Allen Fieldhouse, that's why keeping Baylor at two. Michigan, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm keeping them at three. It was very close to moving them up to two. I mean, regardless, you can, I mean, if you can like put Michigan and Baylor at 2A, 2B, they just blew out Iowa, blew out Indiana, and they're going to enter the Big 12, Big 10 tournament, more likely than not, with just one loss. Number four is Illinois. Yeah, they lost earlier in the week, but they have two wins without Io Dosumu. So, yeah, they're moving up. And if Curbelo can be the number three option when Io is back, they're going to be tough to stop in March. Number five is West Virginia. So I had West Virginia at seven last week, and they move up. You know, the Mountaineers are red hot. They're clearly the Big 12's second best team. Uh, they have not fallen in any trap games this year. They're very dangerous. I'm excited to see how far this team makes it in March. Number six, I'm putting at Iowa, going up from nine to six. Despite that blowout loss to Michigan, they rebound a Great against Ohio State. They continue to have one of the most efficient offenses in the country. Luca Garza is going to be the national player of the year. And their shooting is going to allow them to hang with anybody. Uh, yeah, they might not play the best defense, although they played great defense against the Buckeyes. The way they shoot the ball, they'll be able to beat anybody. They'll be able to contend with anybody in the tournament. I'm, putting the, I'm dropping the Buckeyes from 4-7. to seven. You know, They could fall further after three straight losses, but a lot of teams behind them have lost, and they still do have some great wins. They, their resume is still very impressive. Like I said, they're just in a slump right now, and we've seen a lot of these great teams go through their slumps. So, yeah, the Buckeyes are still, in my opinion, a top-10 team, but, yeah, right now they're behind Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, in the pecking order of the Big Ten. And, yeah, right now they're going to be the fifth seed because of a sweep at Purdue. So, right now they're, they're the fourth seed. Or the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Uh, number eight, I'm putting Houston. I've been a little skeptical of them, but they've just won their last three games by an average of 36 points. They're back to dominating the American Atlantic Conference. Uh, they're, you know, they play gritty defense. Quentin Grimes is leading the way. They're going to be a tough out for anybody. And they match up exceptionally well against Iowa and Ohio State. Two teams that struggle defensively. 
Uh, Houston can expose both of them on the defensive end. Wow, really shutting them down on the defensive end. Number nine, I'm, I'm skyrocketing the Jayhawks into my top ten. A win over a previously undefeated Baylor team has to get them to the top ten. They're streaking. They're peaking at the right time. Uh, I said this. I said all year, Kansas doesn't have that guy that Devontae Graham, that uh, Frank Mason, that Thomas Robinson. But they have five guys who play decently well together, and they're meshing more and more, and it's just making this Jayhawks team very dangerous come March. And number 10, I'm putting red-hot Arkansas. They just can't lose right now. They refuse to lose. They're number one of my SEC power rankings after their victory over Alabama. You know, and you see that second half against LSU. There's a reason that this team has been skyrocketing up the rankings, why some bracketologists have them as high as a three seed. Arkansas is one of the hottest teams in the nations, and they've earned themselves the number 10 spot in my top 10 rankings. That's about it for college basketball. I'm going to move on. Some NFL news. J.J. Watt signed with the Cardinals. Him and DeAndre Hopkins leave the Texans, go to Arizona. It's a good move for the Cardinals, who have a lot of great pieces on this defense, especially if Chandler Jones can come back next year and Hassan Reddick stays and plays the, the way he did. That adds two great pass rushers in Reddick and Jones, along with J.J. Watt on the front, plus Buda Baker on the back end. It's a good move for the Cardinals. I'm hoping that J.J. Watt can help this team take the next level because it definitely seemed like run defense is what hurt this team down the stretch last year. So good signing for the Cardinals. I'm surprised he went there. He was almost not linked to the Cardinals. It was Browns. It was Steelers. It was Titans. It was Dolphins, Bills. Nothing on the Cardinals' front. So a very surprising signing, but good move for them. And now we're going to move on to the NBA, talking about my New York Knicks. You know, it appeared that the hot streak was sort of dying early on against the Pacers. We're getting blown out. But sure enough, we, we rally in that second quarter. And with Derek following Derek Rose hitting a deep three from the buzzer, the Knicks take the lead going into the halftime. Julius Randle, 28 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals. He led that Knicks defense to victory. And, you know, the defense down up too late in the game forced the Pacers turnover at the end to hold on and win the game. R.J. Barrett, he had 24. Derrick Rose had 17. And the Knicks, with their win over the Pacers, moved to 500. But the real excitement came with their win over the Detroit Pistons last night. The Knicks, this only a trap game for the Knicks, no doubt. You know, chance to go above 500, and they're playing the worst team in the East. That just kind of feels like a trap game. But wire to wire, the Knicks were in control of this game. Julius Randle with 25-8-6. He's just been so goddamn good. Eight straight games with 20 points now for the Knicks. Uh, the first player to do that since... Or it's the, I believe it's the first player to do that since Carmelo Anthony. Maybe Porzingis. <coughs> RJ Barrett, he had another 21-point game. Shot 8 of 13. He's been playing a lot better lately. Alec Burks had 16. Derrick Rose had 14, and this team is 3-0 without Alfred Payton. But more importantly, the New York Knicks have a winning record at 18-17, fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Seven of their last nine games have been victories, and I am just so happy. They appear to be heading to the playoffs. Now, I'm obviously cautiously optimistic because we've seen this team fall flat in a number of games. But right now, I'm just so happy. And it's so exciting to be investing in this Knicks team for the first time, really, since 2012-2013. 
we, we've been hopeless for so long. It seems like this franchise has had close to no hope, and now we finally have hope. Look, we're not winning the title this year. I'd be shocked if we win a playoff series this year. But the fact we're fighting for a playoff spot and we're showing promise and hope, that's why I love as, love as a Knicks fan. People want to make fun of Knicks fans for celebrating the street, street when they went to 500 after that win against the Pacers. Well, when you're such a passionate fan base and your team has been shit for so long, yeah, it's very exciting and it's a reason to celebrate when you guys are finally doing good and showing potential. So I am so happy about this team. I don't blame those fans for celebrating. I got to go catch a game in the garden this year. And I'm, just, I'm so happy. I love the way this Knicks team is playing. They're so much fun to watch. They play such gritty defense. D. Rose has been fantastic since coming over. Julius Randle, I, I cannot wait to see what he does this year for the rest of the season and next season. He's been fantastic. And it's why the Knicks are the first team in who is hot. Yeah. Not going to go over everything. I just went over with the Knicks, all that background I gave for who is hot. So let's go into my second team. The Miami Heat have won six games in a row to get back to 500, 10 out of 13. And the Heat defense is looking like the defense that helped this team get to the NBA Finals last season. Uh, Butler, he's been on fire. He floats with a triple-double almost every single game now. Something he's, you know, he's, been, he's had a few triple-doubles in his career. But he's never been someone to consistently float with a triple-double until this season. Bam Adebayo continues to be a beast inside. But it's also the role, guys. Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson playing, the, playing like they did in the playoffs. And Kendrick Nunn looking like he did in the first half of last season. With, the, with all the Heat's role players playing big roles, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler playing like the All-Stars they are. This Heat team resembles last year's team that made a run of the finals. And, and, and the, while they struggled early on in the year, it looks like they're going to be fighting for home court advantage in that first round now. And the last team who is hot, the team that the Miami Heat eliminated in last season's playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they're on a five-game winning streak. Before this, they had lost five in a row. Uh, people might be a little skeptical about this team, uh, you know, because four of those wins came against four of the five worst teams in the Western Conference. But then yesterday, they beat the Clippers in a really, really exciting game that I watched. Uh, and look, Drew Holiday missed about 10, the 10, 10 games before the game against the Clippers yesterday. They were four and five. They were five and five in those 10 games, uh, winning the last four games without him. And now that he's back, that's gonna be a major boost for the Bucks. But also, hats off to Giannis, the Greek freak. In his last four games, he's had at least 36 points. He's playing at his MVP form, and God, it feels like every week I'm saying who's hot and saying someone's at their MVP form. Just about the amount of talent we have in the NBA. The Bucks are hot right now. They're back to being the East's third best team, and it seems like they're going to be they're solidified into that three seed. They probably won't catch the Nets. Maybe they'll catch the Sixers if the Sixers go into a slump. But good for the Bucks to get back to their winning ways after a really sluggish start to the year. Uh, who is not hot? The Houston Rockets. 11 losses in a row to end February. Still have not won a game since Christian Wood was out, was ruled out for the year. And look, they do have a game tonight versus the Cleveland Cavs, and there's a chance they can win, and by the time you're listening to this episode, they're not on a losing streak. But beating the Cavs doesn't mean you're still not not hot. Like, congrats, you beat the Cavs. You're now 1-11 in your last 12 games. You're still going to be on the not hot line, and just what a complete just change of franchise direction for the Rockets. You know, they were, a year, a year ago, they had championship aspirations. Now, they're heading towards a top five pick in the draft. Another team that plays tonight, 
but enters the night not hot are the Indiana Pacers. They've lost three in a row, eight of 11 games, not playing very good basketball. They still don't have TJ Warren. His absence has really, really hurt this team. And it's really all just Malcolm Brogdon and DeMontis Sabonis carrying this team. But also the Pacers, they, I feel like every year they're a top five, top 10 defensive team, no matter who they have. That's not the case this year. They haven't been that great on defense, especially as of late. And it kind of you kind of figured they'd be a top seven team in the Eastern Conference before the year. Most people probably had them as the seven seed, having the play in the play in tournament. But they started off hot and appeared they'd be uh, competing for a home court in the first round, and you know lo looking to stave off playing in that play in tournament. Now they're going to be fighting to get into that playoff tournament. So you know Sabonis replacing Kevin Durant in the All Star game, rightfully so. Glad Sabonis made it. Glad he was recognized as the All Star he is, but. Not not good basketball for the Indiana Pacers as of late. Not at all. And the last team who is not hot, the Atlanta Hawks. What's the golden rule? You fire your coach, you're automatically on the not hot list. Atlanta did that with Lloyd Pierce following a 14-20 start, including going just 4-11 in the month of February. So, you know, they made the right call firing him. And I don't know how this team is doing as bad as they are. Uh, the talent is there. Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter are all having really good seasons for Atlanta. Uh, not to mention you have Hoyter, who's a good young player, uh, playing significant minutes for this team. Rondo and Gallinari are veterans off the bench. Granted, Rondo's been hurt, but Gallinari just had a 38-point game the other night, and he hit 10 threes. Uh, so, yeah, look, like I said, the talent is there on this team. They have a very good roster, a good mix of young talent and veterans. I just don't know why it hasn't come together yet. And maybe without Lloyd Pierce, uh, this team could turn it around and get themselves on a hot list instead of the not hot list. Uh, that's it for who is hot and who is not. We're going to say this day in NBA history, and this is a very significant day in NBA history, because it was 59 years ago today when Wilt Chamberlain set an NBA record that still stands to this day with 100 points. He also grabbed 25 rebounds in that game in a 169-147 to victory over the New York Knicks. Now, we all know about Wilt's 100-point game. It's historic, one of the most historic feats in all of sports. And, yeah, that was 59 years ago today. It's been that, that long, and I, tell you, I don't think anybody's going to break that record. If anyone has a chance, maybe Kevin Durant, maybe LeBron. I, I, I don't know. No one's breaking that record. Uh, Yankees spring training had they, they had their first two games. Uh, they lost yesterday. Mike King looked really bad against the Blue Jays. Uh, he was, he figures at least be one of the bullpen guys, possibly fighting for that fifth spot in the rotation. Uh, did not earn that yesterday with that game against the Blue Jays looking horrible. Uh, but they won their second game today. Uh, Garrett Cole actually gave up a run in the first inning, but didn't look too bad. Uh, Tyon, he had really good stuff, Was looked really sharp in the second inning, pitching a very quick seven-pitch inning for the Yanks. And Gary Sanchez hit a rocket the center field. You hope that We hope that Gary Sanchez will have a resurgent year and will be back to the catcher he was in 2016, 2017. Because that Gary Sanchez, that's the one who us Yankee fans fell in love with, not the guy who we all get pissed off at now. It is now time to talk some soccer in 90. We start off with Manchester United staying six points ahead of Chelsea after finishing a 0-0 draw. As a Manchester United fan, 
I will take the draw in that game, considering that Chelsea really outplayed them in that game. And had they lost, it would have been they would now just hold a three-point lead over Chelsea. Uh, Manchester City continues to build their lead in the Premier in the Premier League with a two-to-one victory over West Ham. Uh, despite the loss, West Ham will stay in fourth place for now. Leicester City missed a chance to gain some ground and move in the second place with a 3-1 loss at home to the Arsenal Gunners. Liverpool, who had been slumping mightily, ended a four-game skid winning 2-0 at Sheffield United, who stays in last place in the Premier League. Barcelona gets a big win over Sevilla. They are now just five points back of Atletico, despite Atletico's victory over Real Madrid. So for all the turmoil going on in Barcelona, they are now just in third place. Possibly second place, actually, if uh, Real Madrid won. Bayern Munich blitz Köln 5-1. Red Bull Leipzig beat Gladbach 2-0, so they're just two points off first place. In turn, AC Milan stay in first and second with their victories this weekend. And this week, we have the top six teams in Italy, all with home games against bottom-tier teams, which they should win. In England, we have Everton, Southampton, City, Wolverhampton, Man U versus Crystal Palace, Leicester versus Burnley, and a big game with Liverpool versus Chelsea. That is about it for Talking Soccer in 90, and that is it for my show. Oh, Real Madrid uh, drew today, by the way, so that means they are now tied with Barcelona for second in the La Liga. But that is it for this episode of the Bird's Eye View. I want to thank everybody who's listened and supported the podcast thus far. Remember, go follow Jay Bird's Eye View on Twitter for all my latest live reactions to games. Go follow the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram for latest episode releases. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.